Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from, uh, well, overcast, Southern California. Yep, another championship. Yep. Don't care as much as other places and doesn't seem to matter. The Doug Gottlieb show rolls on here on Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> yeah, the ratings are in and and uh, per household, the ratings were much higher in Detroit for their former quarterback than they were in L.A. for their current quarterback. But uh, welcome to L.A. where we sort of kind of care, but we have big victory parades because we do win championships. I say we just because I live in Southern California, not because I'm a Rams Fan. We got some Sean McVay stuff for you. Rich Ornberger is going to join us. Of course, former offensive uh, lineman in the National Football League. Get his thoughts on the Super Bowl, his thoughts on some of these big topics. Carson Wentz looks like his days are over in Indy. Give you my thoughts on that. Plus, Richard Sherman doesn't believe Matt Stafford's a Hall of Famer as of yet. Chris Sims will join us. Um, we got some more on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Brian Billick's going to join us as well. A lot to get to. So we have a ton of football. Let's begin with basketball because two days after the Super Bowl, we turn our attention to the NBA because there was a blockbuster trade made in the association. Ben Simmons, James Harden. Of course, Simmons came along with Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and some draft picks for James Harden. Here's Ben Simmons on why he wanted out of Philadelphia. A bunch of things that have gone over the years to where I just knew I wasn't myself and I needed to get back in, into that place of you know being myself and, and being happy as a person and taking care of my well-being. It wasn't about the basketball. It wasn't about the money, anything like that. You know, I want to be who I am and, and get back to you know playing basketball at that level and you know being myself. A lot of things had happened over that summer to where I didn't feel like I was getting that help. But it is what it is. You know, I don't have any, wasn't a personal thing towards, you know, any player or, or coach or owners or anything like that. It was about myself, you know, getting to, to a place where, you know, I need to be. Okay. Uh, listen, I, I, I think there is, there has to be a breath taken by so many of us when we, we the knives want to come out because the guy feels like it's not a right fit and he wants to change, right? I, I think the issue is more with, uh, you know, there has to be some accountability, Accountability from Simmons and the fact that he did not work hard enough and could not overcome whatever demons in terms of just shooting the basketball has to be accountability for the Philadelphia 76ers, not fostering an environment that allowed him to shoot a basketball, right? There's, there, it, it does, in fact, work, work both ways. Um, he, he did talk about when he started to struggle mentally in Philadelphia. For me, it was just making sure mentally I was right to get out there and play again. So that's something I've been, you know, dealing with. And it wasn't about the fans or coaches or comments made by anybody. It was just a personal thing for me. That was earlier than that series or, or even that season that I was dealing with, you know, and that organization knew that. So it, it was something that, you know, I, I continue to deal with. And, you know, I'm getting there and getting to the right place to, you know, get back on the floor. Okay. Let's, let's now go to the other side. James Harden is back with Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey was his GM in Houston. Now, of course, he's his GM, or he's he's working in the front office in Philadelphia. Here's Harden on why Philly was his first choice. When I was going through everything I was going through, you know, in Houston, uh, Philly was my, you know, my first choice. Uh, It just didn't happen. So detailed, I don't really want to get into, 
you know, the Brooklyn situation. I just knew, you know, for a very long time this is a perfect fit. And obviously you got a, a, a big man, the best big man in the league in Joel. And then obviously the coaching, just from top to bottom, it made sense. And I'm just happy and, and, and blessed that I'm here. That's Doc and, and everybody knows and everybody wants is, is to win and be the last team standing. So um, I'm, I'm excited for the opportunity. Here's, here's James Harden on uh, how Kyrie Irving affected the situation. Is the uncertainty around Kyrie's situation this year, did that play a part in how things developed over the past couple of months for you? Very minimal, honestly. Like, obviously, Kyrie, me and Kyrie are, are, are really good friends. Uh, you know, whatever he was going through or is still going through, that's his personal preference. Uh, but it definitely did impact the team because originally, you know, obviously, me, Kyrie, and Katie on the court and winning covers up a lot of that stuff. But it was unfortunate that, you know, we played 16 games out of whatever it was, and it is what it is. Hmm. You know, I was thinking about something today. This is a, this is a real story, okay? So, uh, obviously, we have a partnership with Sleep Number, right? So, Sleep Number Beds, it's, it's, it's interesting. You think, when, when you go into the stores, um, you, everyone thinks they know what kind of bed you want, what kind of feel you want on a mattress. Like, if I was to ask you, Ramos, your mattress at home, Okay. Is it firm or is it soft? Like which, which, which is your actual mattress at home? Yeah, I think it's, it's not too firm, but it's not soft. It's like wherever that would be like okay, mid firm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Jay Stewart, are you a firm guy? Are you a soft guy? Are you a plush pillow top guy? Like, where are you? I'm more of a firm guy. Yeah. Uh, so metro, what, mattress wise. And then pillow, I need something in between. Okay. So you go in there and you lay on beds and they, they, they check your, your sleep number settings, right? And I, like on a goof, when I first did it, I was like, well, how about 44? That's, that was the number that I wore. And they're like, well, it has to go in fives. And they're, they're like, well, what generally do you like? I was like, well, generally I like, I think I like a firm, firm mattress. So they crank it up to like 85. It goes zero to a hundred. Crank it up to, and it feels really, really good. And you're like, man, that feels great. And then they show you actual visual of where, based on color coding where the pressure is and there's pressure on your low back. They adjusted it ironically to 45 or they don't tell you where they adjusted to. And you're like, God, that feels amazing. Like actually that's a 45 setting. You think you know what you want, but it's not actually what you need. You know, I end up working my way around to the, I think it's called the I 10, which is like one of those split beds and it allows you, I snore. So it allows you to kind of, make it an anti-snoring thing. There's a zero gravity deal where, I mean, you just, you literally feel like you're floating. The point is I walked in with this thought of, I like something really firm and substantial. And I walked away, honestly, where Ramos sits, which is somewhere kind of in the middle, right? That's where James Harden is. James Harden thought he, I got to get out of Houston. This thing's a sinking ship. This is not what I want. I want to be surrounded by like stars. That's what he thought he needed. Now he's like, actually, I really need a big guy because I don't play much defense and he can defend the rim. I really need another star so that somebody else can make plays. And I really still need to be around Daryl Morey because he kind of gets me and how I play and, and what's needed. Like you, you think you know what you want or what you need, and then suddenly what actually fits kind of presents itself, even if it's the opposite of or somewhere kind of in the middle area of what you thought you needed. You know, that you thought you needed. Like for Ben Simmons, I think people thought, 
hey, let's get him a completely fresh start, get him his own franchise, build a team around him. That's the way to do it. Maybe you put him with Portland, with Damian Lillard, and, and s- surround him with dudes. When the truth is, he was already in the NBA playoffs. He does need guys that have a supreme amount of self-confidence. I, I kind of think the fit works better for him in Brooklyn, whereas in Philadelphia, look, if you're struggling with your confidence, Philadelphia is not a city for you. Nope. Playing basketball in that city? Nope. That, that's not a good fit. Because uh-uh. they will eat you alive, as they ate Ben Simmons alive. Right? Whereas Harden, they really care. That's what he wants somewhere that cares. Brooke, people think that Brooklyn is New York City. Technically, it's one of the boroughs of New York City. It is not. It, it is not the Knicks. When the Knicks lose eleven games in a row, as the Brooklyn Nets have, it's end of days. Fire everybody. Give me a new coach. Scrap this team out. Now the Knicks have not been good since a hot start to start the season, and they've regressed towards the mean. But they've not lost eleven games in a row, and yet most of the most of the fire everybody, get rid of Tibbs. That's over the Knicks, not the Nets, who have been utterly and completely disappointing. Why? Because Brooklyn is not New York. Do they want do they want to win? Yeah. Are they, is, is the new owner completely invested in winning? Have they been put together to win now? Absolutely. But there's not the the fandom. There's not the negative feedback when you don't play well. There's not well, Philadelphia. The crazy psycho fans that when you're struggling mentally with your shot or with your game or with things personally, it 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 feels they feel personally offended when you don't play well. Those guys may have thought they knew what they wanted when, you know, when James Harden left Houston or when Ben Simmons thought he wanted to be on the open market or thought he wanted to be moved. But sometimes what's that uh, Rolling Stones, you can't always get what you want. You get what you need. I, I, I kind of think this is a good trade. Look, I don't know if Harden has the shooting around him to give him the space that he needs. And I do think that he's forever a flawed player because he doesn't play both ends, because he does hold the ball, and he doesn't want to move it, and the defense does lock in. But he's an amazing talent, and so is so is Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons, I don't know. I always felt like he should have shot right-handed because he's right-handed in everything in life except for shooting a basketball outside of 15 feet. He had plenty of time to rework it, and we'll see how much he's worked on his game based upon how he plays early on. Just because you haven't been playing doesn't mean you shouldn't have been. You weren't working. Either you've been working, or you haven't. We'll find out. But I was, I was thinking about the the mattress setting thing, and I was like, well, we all think we want, not what we need. And sometimes what you need, frankly, leaves you like you're floating in a cloud. Yes, Jay Stu. Did I mishear you, Doug, or did you say that you settled on the I ten mattress? I believe it's called the I ten. Yes. Does your mattress like bottleneck at the one at the four hundred five? Um, no, it's I use the carpool lane. L.A. humor. It's L.A. humor. It's very much L.A. humor. See what you do is you take the one hundred five to the six hundred five, the six hundred five to the ninety one, the ninety one to the five. Then when you get to the five at the El Toro Y. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. A lot of talk, obviously, in Super Week about the possibility of guys hanging it up and retiring. Sean McVay's name came up, and McVay did the whole, you know, I'm getting married, I want to start a family, which, look, anybody who has a family, 
I, I do think it's a, it's a good discussion point because we, anyone who has a child knows there's a different relationship between a mother and a, and a child, right? It's a, it's a very unique and hopefully based upon your relationship with your mom, super strong bond, right? Called my mom last night and wished her a happy Valentine's day. She was my first Valentine, right? So, um, I was thinking though, that one of the things that I like about the McVeigh story is that he's like, look, you know, I mean, I want to be around when I have kids and be able to have that relationship. And you know, I've, I've, I've had this discussed lots of people off air, but we will do a thing on television where we, we don't necessarily give the respect to people who are like men who are leaving their families at home to go to work. Broadcasters, athletes, coaches, like it's a lot. Everybody, lots of, we will all want to raise our, I hope, raise our children. But I, I call a little bit of BS on McVeigh because you don't have a kid yet. And if we're completely honest, those first couple years, it's amazing to be around. But you're not exactly needed, right? Those aren't as much the formative years in terms of what it's you, you need to when it's your time and to be on to be on and give mama a break. But like he ain't married yet. She's not pregnant yet. What are we truly talking about? He's not taking, he's not walking away from a dream job because of a family that he doesn't yet have that eventually he will. And maybe eventually he, he'll do. Here's what I, I do believe that the talk of walking away is real, but it's real from this standpoint. Tony Romo is making $17 million a year. I don't know what Troy Aikman's going to get if he, Leaves Fox, stays with Fox, and does Amazon. But I'm guessing Troy Aikman's probably like, I call Super Bowls. I've been doing it longer. I'm a three-time Super Bowl champ. I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm going to command at more, uh, you know, a dollar more than Romo. And when you're McVay, you're like, wait a second. John Madden walked away early in his career. John Gruden wasn't early in his career, but he became a household name. ESPN still looking for some signature broadcaster, right? Because they can't get Peyton and Eli other than the Manning cast. Amazon's still looking for a signature broadcaster, or maybe it's Fox. Like there are opportunities out there. And so I, I think what you're seeing from McVeigh, I think what you're seeing from Aikman is the same thing you're seeing from Sean Payton, which is Tony Romo's contract changed how everybody looked at broadcasting. Because some of these guys, they don't do it like Peyton hasn't done it because I want to do it my way. I don't want to have to go to production meetings and to, I just I want to do it from my couch or my living room. It is, in fact, a job. And when you've had been when you're a, a professional athlete, you've been told where you're supposed to be pretty much since the time you were 12 years old. Now you get to pick your own spots. You don't want to be told where you're supposed to be. And previously, though, it was fairly lucrative. It, it hadn't been so lucrative that you could walk away from a coaching job or walk away from a playing gig. All that's changed. All that's changed. Doug Gottlieb show Fox sports radio. So this is what happens, right? Every time there's a, you win a Super Bowl, the winner is viewed greater 
than the reality. The loser is usually deemed lesser than reality. The problems that the loser had seems magnified because they, they could taste winning a championship, right? Usually what will happen, and this is why teams that are, with the exception, obviously, the Patriots, most teams that are runners-up, they struggle through it more than the teams that actually won the Super Bowl. It's just, it's weird. But uh, Richard Sherman has a podcast. Basically, he went through his reasons why Matt Stafford is not a Hall of Famer. The people who believe Matt Stafford is a Hall of Famer, which is a small but kind of growing group, sit there and go, look, the numbers have always been good. Now you put him on a legit team, he wins the Super Bowl. Case closed. Richard Sherman's thoughts are, look, the number of all pro selections. Oh, yeah, by the way, um, you know, was he ever seen as the best quarterback in 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 football, at best player at his, at his position. Like, look, I don't. Richard Sherman doesn't like me. I don't know why he blocks me. But fine, I'll tell you right now, he's right on this one. He's wrong on some stuff. We all are. <laughs> he's right on this one. Like, how do we get to Matt Stafford wins one Super Bowl and he's a Hall of Famer? He was not the best quarterback in the sport. He was not the best quarterback in the NFC this year. And while what he was able to do in that game and really in the playoffs, once Robert Woods went down, limited running game, outstanding. He made some huge plays, some huge. But one of the reasons they had to fight for their lives to get into the playoffs was Stafford. Can't forget the tart near interception against San Francisco. Um, And, and, Really, what what the Hall of Fame is supposed to be is the best to ever play the sport. In order to do that, you always got to be mentioned in the best playing the position. And I've only been doing this for 20 years, but there has never been a conversation ever during Matt Stafford's career in which when you mention the best, he's mentioned. Is some of that the franchise has been? Absolutely. Absolutely. But there were years in which they made the playoffs. And even in those years, no one ever said, you know who the best quarterback is? It's Matt Stafford. Yes, John Ramos. I agree with you, by the way. I don't believe Matt Stafford is a Hall of Famer at this point. My question to you would be, is there a path to the Hall of Fame for Matt Stafford? Uh, Yeah, he'd have to show this level of success. Not necessarily winning a Super Bowl, but consistent playoff appearance, consistently putting himself in this top five you know, because what we've seen is these guys can do it till they're 40 years old, you know. So in the window of the next five years, if he's consistently seen as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But was I, am I wrong that I don't remember people considering him the best quarterback or in the conversation of best quarterbacks in the league this year? Am I, am I, am I wrong on that one, Ramos? Um, I, th- I wouldn't say they thought of him as the top, but I, I, do, I do remember, I, I know Dan had him in his pyramid a couple times and. I do think people thought of him as a top quarterback, but I don't know about the best quarterback this year. It's it's it, it'll be the the Russell Wilson thing will be very interesting. You know, lots of guys in the league will sit there and go like, "Yeah, I'm not feeling the Russell Russell Wilson is you know wildly overrated," but it'd be really hard for anyone to argue that Russell Wilson, whatever you think of of him, his teams have consistently done better than Stafford's teams have done. And he's won a Super Bowl. He's been in two. Um, but now they're in the same division, or at least for now they're in the same division. 
don't know. I think it's interesting. Byer, where, where are you on uh, Matt Stafford and his Hall of Fame status? Yeah, I, I think if, if he were to win another Super Bowl, I think that he would uh, for surely be a Hall of Famer. Um, I think that that is enough. I think that you know Eli Manning is is a guy that you look at right now. Is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? Yes and no. I, I think at some point he probably will get in the Hall of Fame, and I think there are a lot of people that are going to have a problem with that. You would have Matthew Stafford with much better numbers and two Super Bowl rings uh, getting in. So I would say if he adds another Super Bowl, uh, for sure. Um, but Eli Manning is getting in the Hall of Fame, by the way. Yeah, you know, yeah any, probably, anybody who yeah. says otherwise is not. Like, what are we doing here, right? He won two Super Bowls. He, uh, with with the Giants, he took down the Patriots. That's just, it's too hard. You're not, you, we can make an argument about a lot of things. Do I think he's as good as his brother? No. No, I don't. Uh, do I think he's as good as Aaron Rodgers? Do I think he should be? Like, if we did a real Hall of Fame, it would be very, very close, right? And, and real Hall of Fame would be just the best of the best. Eli was never the best quarterback in the sport. Yeah, and at some point, Matthew Stafford, I mean, barring injuries, going to pass Eli for, you know, most passing yards. So yeah, there's going to be. I so I think that I think he's actually more on the track with this win than maybe most people would uh, would want to believe. But apparently, there it's a different conversation happening. Some felt that this was going to put him over the top, and I I don't think that is the case. I don't think it puts him over the top. I think it I think it puts I think this puts him in the conversation. Yeah, he was yep. not in the conversation before. Now it's very much in the conversation. But the, I agree with you. The two Supers, you're in. I, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger and and uh, Eli Manning. Well, and I think Roethlisberger historically had a better career than Eli Manning. Um, I, th- those two are getting in. First, I think first time their name comes up. I really believe that. I mean, like, look, Kurt Warner's in, right? And and here's the difference. And this this would be your argument for Matt Stafford. Can I help? I'll, I'll help people out here. Now, look, Kurt Warner. The story of Kurt Warner is amazing. How many years did Kurt Warner play in the NFL? Gosh, twelve maybe. Yeah. I'd say ten. I'll say eleven. Okay, I'll <laughs> split the difference. Okay, so Kurt Warner. Uh, if you look, technically, he played uh, 12 years in the NFL. Okay, Six years with St. Louis, five years with Arizona, one disastrous year with the New York Giants where he got hurt and ultimately lost his spot to Eli Manning. Right. So of those years, one year was he was barely, it's really more 11, right? The first year with St. Louis, he got in one game, right? So Byers more right than anything else, 11. But it's 12 if you go tight. I just took the middle, yeah. (laughs) Jason, we're doing the happy dance when you said 12 and now he lost out. Well, he's he's technically right. But but like his first year, he he was like the third string quarterback. He got in for, he threw 11 passes in one game, you know. So, so look, here's my my point. Um, uh, Kurt Warner, I would make the case it was, he's, if it's not for the story of Kurt Warner, I'm not sure he gets in. Now, he won two MVPs. On the other hand, have you ever heard of a starting quarterback who had five years in the middle of their career where he couldn't play? Like, he wasn't good enough. You couldn't have him on the football field. Kurt Warner really, really struggled in, a, in the middle of his career. Like, people forget. And this is prime quarterback years from the age of 31 to the age of 35, he was bad. Barely played bad. Okay? Got hurt in St. Louis. 
and then was you know was essentially the backup in St. Louis for two years. Then he goes to the Giants, where he starts and ultimately hands the job over to Eli. Then he goes to Arizona, where he's the backup, and everyone talks about how he turned it around. People forget his first two years in Arizona because, and I think Leinart was there then. He got to start. He started uh, fifteen games. He won three of them. Won three of them. In his first two years in Arizona, he threw 17 touchdowns and 14 interceptions in those two years combined. And my point is that Kurt Warner played in the league technically 12 years. 12. Okay. There were five years which were outstanding. Three of those years were incredible. But the rest of his career, he wasn't even really a starting caliber quarterback. And well, what you should be, if you're one of the all-time greats, you should be one of the all-time greats, right? Like that's the, go look at Peyton, go look at Brady, go look at any of these guys. They're all consistent with maybe one year's an exception where they're hurt, they're playing hurt. So I actually think you could have made a case that Kurt Warner was not a Hall of Famer. But the boxes that, the box that he checks is there was two years where he was the best player or the best quarterback in the sport. And so that, and he won a Super Bowl and took the Cardinals to another Super Bowl, and that put him over the top. So that, to me, is the argument for Stafford: is he's been far more consistently good than Kurt Warner has, and his great, while not statistically as great as Warner, did end up winning him a Super Bowl. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Chris Sims is our guest, former NFL quarterback, of course, NBC analyst, now kicking up his feet. A little time off before we get ready for the NFL draft. Um, if you were awarding the MVP, who would you have awarded it to? Uh, well, uh, th- that's not even close. It would have been Aaron Donald, without a doubt. I mean, Aaron Donald, I mean, not only he played good in the first half, but the second half he took the game over, really. I mean, even on the, the long touchdown pass to T. Higgins, he created the pressure there. You know, Joe Burrow stepped up, made a good throw. T. Higgins gets that. He made the great play on the next drive after the interception. Two great plays to really put the Bengals in tough sauce. To hold them to a field goal might have been the key key moment of the football game. If they go down two scores with the state of the Rams offense. I mean, Cooper Cup, I love him. He's the man. But, I mean, my voting would have gone Aaron Donald, one. Matthew Stafford, two. Cooper Cup, three. Stafford's throws were more impressive than any of Cooper Cup's catches or anything of that nature. And uh, so that's where I stand with that. And they got to figure that out in the NFL. It doesn't, I mean, we're, we're using like, you know, roto phones here to put in the votes. They're writing it on paper still and, and handing it in. Like, it's 16 votes. Let's go. Wait till the game's over. We can count to 16 in a hurry and let's evaluate the whole thing. Uh, my pushback would be didn't Cooper Cup take the game over so the Rams could score? And. And, and like, look, Donald was great. I'm not disputing it. But d- that's an outstanding defensive line that was healthy. Cooper Cup, once OBJ goes down, there's no Tyler Higby. There's no Robert Woods. He's literally the only option. Yeah, I know. But, it, I mean, but we know he's the only option. And, and then the guy that's got to throw to him has got to throw just pinpoint passes. You know, that, that, to me, his job was harder. I mean, third straight tight end, can't run the ball, pass protection okay, no Odell, you know, Skwarnick. He's not reliable or ready to play football yet. They're a thin team, as we know, because they're, they're the Hollywood stars, and that's how they're built. And, you know, Cooper Cup did a lot of great things. You know, again, Doug, I'm, I don't think you're wrong. I don't. I think when I look back at the game, though, I was more impressed with Stafford than I was Cup. You know, even the big play at the end of the football game. 
I mean, it, it's not open. Stafford does an unbelievable job and throws a no-look pass down the middle. He made Von Bell move about another two or three foot feet to the underneath coverage, and he made an unreal throw. And that's the play of the game for Cooper Cup. And I want to go, well, that's the, one of the greatest throws we saw all year from anybody. Matthew Stafford, it was just an unbelievable moment for him. I, I'm not mad that Cooper Cup got it. Um, I would have certainly gone Aaron Donald. Uh, and like I said, I think Aaron uh, Matthew Stafford, at least Doug, deserves a little more credit. I mean, I just that drove me crazy yesterday on the plane back from L.A., watching all the highlight shows and everybody talking. I mean, people act like Matthew Stafford wasn't even a part of the game. You know, and again, the oh, things were I don't, tough I don't know. We're talking about, we were just talking about Matt Stafford as a potential Hall of Famer now. So I'm, I'm well, going to. good. I'm glad to hear you. Well, I mean, you might have been talking I don't, about I don't, that. I don't I think he's like yet. People... So here's the argument, okay? So here's the argument, right. okay? I don't think he's yet a Hall of Famer, but my, no. argument, my, my argument for him would be the anti-Kurt Warner argument, right? So Kurt Warner had played 12 years, five great years, and a couple of one nondescript year before he got to start. And then he was terrible at times. Like couldn't keep on a football field bad. Some of it was injuries, but what was, was, what was terrible yet. He's in the hall of fame. Now he was a two time MVP. So peak Kurt Warner better than, than what peak Matt Stafford's been. Stafford's been more consistently solid, but the inability to consistently take Detroit to the playoffs, I think is, is one of the things he's lacking. And he was never considered the best in the sport. Sure, I get that. You know, I, I, I totally I hear that. I get that. I, I mean, to me, Matthew Stafford is way more talented than Kurt Warner. You know, Kurt Warner was in just some of the best positions in the history of football for quarterbacks. He lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl as the quarterback of a team that was far more talented than that Patriots team. I, you know, again, I don't think Kurt Warner's as great as everybody else does, so I'm in the minority there. Matt Stafford has always been a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. He's been on a crap team. You know, here we are, we first year. First year ever with a team and a running game and a defense, and he goes to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I look at it more like, man, Detroit, you dropped the ball for 12 years with Matthew Stafford and never really built a team around him because you did have a quarterback that could bring you to the promised land. But I, I understand what you're saying, and you're right. I don't know if he is Hall of Fame worthy yet. I get that. What do you think happens with Aaron Rodgers? Oh, from things I hear – from people I trust around the league, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to look to try to get out of Green Bay. I think that's why you heard that report this weekend about Green Bay going to go all in. Because I think they know that it looks a little bit like, uh, you know, the weather vanes pointing towards Rodgers leaving. So they put that report out there to make sure it puts more pressure on him to stay. That, that would be my two cents. I do know a few people who have knowledge of the situation. And, yes, from what I've been told so far – it seems like he's looking for suitors out there, and he's evaluating the best move. I don't think he's, you know, again, like we all know. I don't think he's totally happy in Green Bay with the front office. He said all the right things, but I don't think that relationship's totally mended and perfect as of yet. Uh, I think if you made me put down money right now, Doug, I'd say Aaron Rodgers is not on Green Bay and on some team in the AFC. I have a hard time thinking they'll trade him within the NFC. Maybe a trade to Washington or something, maybe that they would look at that, but certainly not going to get traded to the 49ers or any other team that they look at as a, you know, a direct threat in 2022. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, okay, Carson Wentz set to be traded or released. Will he be, I know he could start a game, you know, as a backup. Will he be a right. starter anymore in the NFL? 
it's, I think it's going to take the right situation. You know, I think the cards might have to fall or, you know, things might have to fall the right way in the offseason to where a team maybe, oh, man, we got left out in the dark. We didn't get a free agent quarterback we wanted or we didn't get a quarterback we wanted in the draft. To me, that's the only way I envision it happening. You know, again, Carson Wentz didn't have a bad year. We know that. But I know within the organization they were very disappointed with the fact that he did not get vaccinated, you know, and wasn't kind of a leader in that department. And, you know, people could say, well, he didn't miss a game. Yeah, well, he missed a week of practice and then didn't play good in that game against the Raiders, uh, right? I think it was the Raiders game, second half, second to last game of the year. Kind of a big game where if they win, they're going to get in the playoffs. They don't. He doesn't play well. And then, of course, doesn't play well in a big game against the Jaguars. You know, early in the year, the struggles there, not that he wasn't playing bad, but he certainly wasn't playing great or good. Uh, and, you know, again, I don't know. There's a stigma of Carson Wentz about, you know, his relationships in the locker room and all that. There's something there, certainly, that Indianapolis, I knew, wasn't totally happy with him, but I think they're letting out all the signals here without giving the vote of confidence as soon as the year was over. And what we're hearing right now that, yeah, they're looking for other options. Chris Sims, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Kyler Murray seems really bent out of shape that he's catching all the blame. I've heard a lot of uh, – I mean, you've given grief to Cliff Kingsbury over, over the offense. Yeah. What? So I, I don't know why Kyler is internalizing, you know, all of the negative – from their disastrous playoff appearance. And by the way, the Rams are pretty good. I mean, look what they did to Joe Burrow. They did yeah. even worse to, to Kyler Murray. How do, right. you think that, that, uh, how do you think that plays out? Well, I think we're, you know, I mean, yes. When I look at their offense, you know, Kyler Murray is really good. We know that. We saw size as an issue, like in that playoff game, where when the pocket collapses, yeah, he can't stand in there and make, you know, all the throws that maybe some of the other top quarterbacks in the game can but, man, he's still talented. He's still one of the ten best quarterbacks in the game for my money. No doubt about that. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury, certainly a part of some of the late season falling apart of the Cardinals offense that we've talked about before. It's just too simple. People catch on to it. You know, this is not like just, oh, bad luck that they've fallen apart offensively the last seven or eight weeks of seasons, really three years in a row, especially the last two. It is the offense. It is lack of creativity and keeping defense defenses, you know, guessing a little bit. So there's those issues. I, I got to think this is a contract thing through and through. You know, again, the new age young NFL player, when they scrub you from Instagram, there's something there. It's not That's the way this, this generation communicates a little bit. I think what he's bent out of shape about is a little bit about, like probably Chris Mortensen's report that came out on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, that he's a little immature, he points the finger, he does all that. I understand him getting, you know, bent out of shape about that. I do. You know, and again, Chris Mortensen's the type of guy where, you know, he's, man, is as connected as anybody in football. Him and Adam Schefter lead the world in having connections in football. I don't think he got that just from, like, some random assistant coach. He got that from somebody high up in that organization. And I think Kyler knows that, too, and that's probably why he's going to, you know, try to shut that up and put that to rest. The one thing I'll say about Kyler, yeah, I wish his body language is a little bit better. Sure, I'll say that. But I've never had a problem with the way he handles himself. And no, too many guys that have played with Kyler Murray was with C.D. Lamb just last week. That's his best friend. I mean, everybody that's ever played with Kyler Murray loves him. Cliff Kingsbury was around him even before he got him here in Arizona. He loved him. I've never heard people talk badly about him. So he can't be that 
bad of a leader or a quarterback or, or the jerk they've kind of made him look to be here. And I, I understand him fighting back a little bit. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. You think McVay would walk away? I think that there was – I think there's been thoughts of it. You know, he's, he's, he's a psycho in a good way. You know, he just – he eats it, he lives it, he can't ever put it away. It's 24-7, you know, 365. And I think because of that, you know, sometimes the, the needle gets in the, the red area where it's just an overdrive. It's overheated. But I did get the sense – and I know McVay a little bit. You know, he used to work for Kyle Shanahan. He worked down in Tampa in my early years there during training camp. I felt like even being with him last week before the Super Bowl, I got to spend a day with the Rams, that he's close to finding that work balance. I think he had more fun this year than any other year he's had so far. I do think the quarterback, you know, has helped that out a little bit. I don't think he's going to walk away yet, Doug. I don't. I think he realizes he's got a team that could – you know, strike again here in the next year or two as far as the Super Bowl. And I don't think he's going to walk away from that with the, with the current state of that roster. He's the one and only Chris Sims, of course, former stud quarterback and NBC NFL analyst. Chris, you're the whoa, best. Well, I don't know about a stud quarterback, but I was, that was okay. Quarter, starting quarterback in the NFL. There's, there's 32 right, of those fine. jobs in the NFL, okay? You right. started quarterback at the University of Texas, and you guys were good. You're a stud quarterback. Accept it. It's okay, the reality fine. and move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. No problem, buddy. You the man. I'll talk right. to you. Uh, you need to hear what being his former stud quarterback Brady Quinn. It's like it's like the Brady Quinn thing. Like, oh, Brady Quinn. He wasn't good in the NFL. Like he was a first round draft pick. He was starting quarterback in Notre Dame. Like he's better than ninety nine percent of the dudes who ever took a snap ever in their lives. I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> Did you start a game in the NFL? Were you drafting the first round? No. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What up? Welcome in. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from Southern California. Welcome in. All right, so look, we know the teams that need a quarterback, right? Broncos need a quarterback. Most people think Carolina needs a quarterback. Houston, not sure how they feel about... uh, about Davis Mills as, as as their quarterback, but potentially needing a quarterback, right? Pittsburgh feels like uh, Mason Rudolph sitting there, but do they need a quarterback? Um, Niners have theirs. Raiders, we think they're going to re-up um, with, with Derek Carr. Chargers obviously have theirs. Kansas City has theirs. Kind of go through it. Chicago has their quarterback of the future. Minnesota stuck for another year. Atlanta stuck for at least another year. Giants are trying to fix their quarterback situation. Jets are too. Oh, what about the Indianapolis Colts? Your yearly, the Colts are in the quarterback market, comes with this update. Carson Wentz will probably be traded or released by March 18th, according to Chris Mortensen of ESPN. Wentz is on the hook, uh, actually the Colts are on the hook for $15 million in 2022, no matter what. If he plays, he'll count for $28 million against the Colts cap, the highest number on the team. If the team cuts him before March 19th, the Colts will save roughly $30 million, $13 million and have $51 million to work with. So there's a dollars and cents element to it. Obviously, that deal could be reworked, but probably the feeling is they, they don't want to rework it. So what, what went so wrong? Like, I, I don't think any of this is it's a misevaluation of it, right? But this is what happens when a team underachieves. And I told you guys before, the Colts, the Ravens, I'll sit there and say, hey, we had 17 guys on IR. The Chargers, 
Some of their losses were indescribably bad. They have not made wholesale changes as of yet. The Colts thought they had a potential Super Bowl team. Thought they'd figured out the quarterback. They didn't. And now Chris Ballard thinks they need yet another quarterback. And a lot of the talk out of out of Indy was he just wasn't good enough, right? And you look at how they finished the season. You know, you lose to the Jaguars and Raiders. You lose to the Jaguars last game of the season. Tells you all you need to know. Uh, but th- there, there were some good things. But what, whatever is missing in connecting the dots, when you have Frank Reich as your coach, who's seen as a quarterback whisperer, who had a pre-existing relationship with Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz swore by him, and he swore by Carson Wentz, and it still doesn't work. It tells you, yeah, that, that's probably it for Carson Wentz as a starter. And it's fascinating because there's a guy whose career got off to an outstanding start, had a bunch of injuries, I tore his ACL famously, right? Um, after, after his second season, having an incredible year, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and was never the same. Was never the same. His completion percentage picked up. His, his quarterback rating seemed good enough, but there just is something missing. And the Colts are... are are putting basically their lack of a playoff appearance on his shoulders. And in fairness, it's not like he doesn't have a good enough running game. Jonathan Taylor's a great running back. Um, But here's a guy who's going to be sent out to pasture. I I think the whole Wentz thing is phenomenal, is fantastic. And while I, and from this perspective, while I believe that Philly screwed it up, Right. Philly's inability to figure out how to manage the fact that his backup had won a Super Bowl. Nick Foles had won a Super Bowl. By rushing him back the next year and him trying to save the day, the changes in the coaching staff. Look, it it screwed him up. But I also would point out that some of that points to his makeup. And it's really, really hard. This is a hard profession. What I don't want to hear is, I don't want to hear Kyler Murray go, hey, everybody's blaming me. Nobody's blaming you to the level that they're blaming Carson Wentz in Indy. That's the nature of the job. I would love to sit here and tell you that it's solely Philly's fault. They killed his confidence and mismanaged this thing and the Jalen Hurts situation and how they handled it and 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 it's Philadelphia, the toxicity of Philadelphia, but yeah, okay. You went to Indy, you played indoors, you had a great running game, a very good offensive coach, a pre-existing relationship, and you played every game, they didn't make the playoffs, statistically you were fine, realistically you were not, and they're showing you the door, even though you don't cost them a ton of money next year. What they're saying is, this ain't working out. And once you get to that second stop, you know, once you work through another head coach and you work through a guy, once you, it's not burning bridges, but once you're the guy who you have the best relationship with is like, yeah, we got to move on here. Tells you all you need to know. It wasn't just all Philly. I think Philly screwed it up. I do. But I think Wentz screwed it up as well. I, I do believe that confidence is a huge factor 
and he never really seemingly got that swagger back after tearing his ACL and then some of the subsequent little injuries and all that he went through in Philadelphia. I, I, I don't know if there's a better, if there's a solution, right? Because it wasn't like they didn't want to win a Super Bowl. But when they won the Super Bowl, it was with Nick Foles, who wasn't that good. And their team was stacked, and they tried to run it back, and then injuries befell them, and ultimately Wentz had to go. But I, I just, I'm not sure there's there was a ton of fixing it, but we can all point out that that what it did to him mentally, and maybe what it did to him physically as well, didn't help. But some of that also shows Carson Carson Wentz's inability to, to deal with adversity, his inability to overcome. This is really at the heart of what I said about Simone Biles in the summer. That so much of this stuff is confidence related. Right. And I'm not going to compare the, the, the horrors of what she went through, you know, previously in her life with a knee injury to Carson, Carson Wentz. I'm, I'm not so obtuse that I don't realize that, it is all related. But if we just take the idea that she had the yips, she had a performance anxiety of some sort, right? We're very and rightfully sensitive to it. Probably overly so. Now, Carson Wentz hasn't come out and said like, hey, I got a crisis in self-confidence, but that's quite obviously what it is. He's not the same guy. He's not the same guy since the injury. He's not the same guy since his backup won a Super Bowl. He's not the same guy since Jalen Hurts won over the fans. He's not the same guy since, you know, really since 2017 when they lost to the Rams. Not the same guy. And if Carson Wentz were to say like, hey, I got to get my mentals together. I'm just... I'm feeling like I'm in a I'm in a bad place. That's why I'm holding the ball because I can't. I'm seeing ghosts. We would clown him. Even to this day, we're gonna Carson Wentz sucks. I'm sure Carson Wentz. If you eliminate so much of that negative mental thinking, that negative thinking, I'm sure he's a like. Look, dude, six five, two thirty five. He's a stud of an athlete. Got a gigantic arm. But that mental side to it, the toughness to it, the ability to take criticism to change places, to figure out the ability to lead guys who may or may not truly believe in you. That's what the best have. That's what the best have. And Wentz obviously doesn't have it. 